morning, everyone. Was that a nice worship this morning? Yeah. That, that's, that was really good. Uh, I'm Rob Keyes. I'm from Cornerstone University. Um, apologies to all of you who graduated from college. <laughs> how many of you is that, actually? Yeah. Okay. Good thing I have lots of friends down at Calvin. Um, but welcome this morning. This is, this is what happens. I, I got to worship, but I saw jeans, 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 and I went, man, I'm way overdressed. <laughs> oh, good. Ty, thank you. Um, but this is what happens when you have students, and they put your names on slips of paper. Thanks, Amanda. Um, so uh, I'm really pleased to be here today. And, Actually, I found out it was Amanda who said, I put your name on a slip. People should come talk. And, okay, well, thanks. And I saw another of my students this morning, too. It was really neat to, to see people I knew here, too. And, you know, you train teachers to go out, and you, you hope they stay with it. And so it's always nice to see students that have stayed with it. I've been doing this for a few years. Um, I started teaching in 1981. Um, I felt I started to feel a little bit old last year at a science conference when I went to a session and people, uh, the presenter was saying, oh, you know, who's the youngest teacher in here? Who's the oldest? And he goes, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and I'm like the only hand. Anybody 30 years? Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. So today, um, you're never too old to learn, though. And I'm always trying to learn. And one of the things I'm always trying to do is keep my pre-service teachers who I'm sending out to teach on the cutting edge of what's happening in science education. So that's part of where I'm coming from today. So today, we're going to be talking about that's phenomenal and using phenomena in science teaching and kind of twisting and looking at how you might twist things around. Now, if you're going to do phenomena, you've got to think phenomena. You've got to get that word stuck in your head, phenomena, phenomena. So how do you get this stuck in the heads of your students? Well, you've got to get them. Um, here it is. <laughs> and your students will always remember what a phenomena is. Well, maybe not the right kind of one, but they're going to remember the word. <laughs> So today, we are going to look at phenomena. But how do you get students to start thinking in phenomenal language? Well, you've got to give them some practice. Before you can really start to use this with content, you have to start to get them to think about this. So um, we want to start to build science and engineering skills. We want to build observational skills. So we've got a little observational activity here. So you're going to need something to write with. Okay, you ready? This is a 45-second observation. I have 
a wonderful homemade candle with me. I'm going to light it, and I want you to write down all the observations you can about my homemade candle. As I light it up here, new wicks, come on, there we go. Okay, you got 45 seconds, right? What do you notice about this candle? some of your observations about the candle? One. Looks like a discolored carrot. Okay, yeah. Uh, making, making, making homemade candles is not my forte. Okay. What else? Okay, it's already been burned. Okay, what else? It's flammable. It's flammable. Okay, what else? Looks like there was a, a small gap between the glow and the candle material itself. Okay, small gap in there. Okay, what else? You missed some of the obvious ones here. It's white? White. It's, it's white-ish. Ish. Okay. It's dirty. It's dirty, yeah. It's been in my briefcase all morning. I traveled from Grand Rapids this morning. Okay, what else? About three inches tall. About three inches tall, okay, thank you. Of course, you know, we, we should say, you know, that's about 20 centimeters, so. <laughs> Anything else? It flickered or it didn't stay completely vertical. Okay. Okay, the flame was moving. Okay, what else? Top of it reflects light. Okay, top of it reflects light. Okay, anything else? It smells. Okay, anything else? The flame flipped towards the end. It almost looked like there were two. Okay. Shape? Round. So how many of you teach science? So, you know, you're, you're doing really good here. You're sticking with observations. Of course, students are going to also get to things like... Once I do a candle in my kitchen, I get a... Yeah, okay, we're taking stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, a student of mine said it was melting. It was melting, okay. So the, they're going to probably throw inference in here with it too. So what happens after doing all that if you take your candle and you <laughs> take it and eat it? Things are not always what they seem. I mean, how many of you have used this one before? Anybody use this? We've got a cheese stick and an almond sliver. Cheese, cheese stick and an almond sliver. Yeah. This is a potato. It's a potato. Oh, uh, potato. Potato and almond sliver. The, the wick was your almond sliver? The wick was my almond sliver. But, you know, how many of you assumed that it was just a wax candle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are your students going to assume? It's a wax candle. <laughs> And when you eat it, 
There's phenomena. Now, it, you start to build these observational skills. Now, that, that's a small one, but what if you took and you started to really play with their brains? I'm going to play with your brains for a few minutes. So I call this the black box. I want you to make some observations. I'm not going to give you as much time as I would students here, but I would like you to just, I'm going to drop on each table. No pulling strings. Oh, I messed up just in time. No pulling strings yet. But just, just make some observations. Let's start with here. Oh, oh. 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 oh.
number two. <laughs> that one's working better. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Oh. Now, did the box do what you expected it to do? So one way. That comes out a lot easier. What, what do you notice as you pull the sides? Is your stuff? They were getting it What, what did you notice as you were pulling the strings? Ah. Okay, you if you hold it, like put your fingers on it, you can feel it. Okay, okay so longer than the internal dimensions. What else? This thing It's like an axle. What about the rate of going in and out? So, okay, so there's some resistance. But did, did you notice that, you know, short string, it takes all of this string to pull in one little short string, but all I have to do is pull this one little short string and it pulls in that whole long string. So, what's going on here? Now, if you do this with students, you know what they're going to do? Well, they're going to open it. That's why I glue them all shut. They all glue them shut. Um, they're going to start to infer about what they think is going on in the inside. They're going to jump really quickly from observation to inferences. But what I want to do with this is, again, I'm developing science and engineering skills. I want them to start to develop ideas of modeling here. So what I will do with this is I will say, OK, now what I'd like you to do is I would like you to take and see, can you come up with a model of what you think is going on inside the box? So if you draw a square and draw two strings coming up, what do you think is going on inside the box based on your observations? So we start to build those observational skills. We start to build modeling skills. We start to develop discourse of um, claim evidence and reasoning. You're making a claim. What's the evidence for your claim? What's the reasoning behind your claim? All of this is building skills so I can start to use phenomena to teach content. So do you want to know what's going inside the box? Yes. Yes. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> don't you remember what you don't remember? Is I never tell the students what's going on inside the box. I never give an answer for what's, I mean, it's closed. It's, it's glued shut. Um, everyone's made just slightly different. So I have total deniability about what's going on in that box. Because that's what science is like. We need to help students understand that we can't always get the exact answer. We can build models. We can, we can collect evidence. We can um, get the best idea. And maybe somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to come up with some new ideas.
because they've got some new tools to study it. So I always ask them, so how can we find out more about what's going on inside this box? And we usually end up, uh, in Grand Rapids, we end up at the Gerald R. Ford International Airport at the TSA station, saying, can you put this through your x-ray machine so we can see what's going on inside this box? But I said, even then, the x-ray machine can give you the shapes of things, but it can't tell you, can't tell you what? How it works. It can't tell you the color of it. It can't tell you what materials it's made out of. But it can, does it give us some more information? So it gives us more information. And this is the beauty of being at a Christian Educators Association conference. I always go from absolute relativity to absolute truth. God has the absolute truth. We are part of the discovering of how God made things. And so we keep moving down that stretch. We'll never get to absolute truth. In fact, science can't prove anything. Can't prove. I try to delete that word from my students' brains. We can't prove it. We can provide support for it. We can provide evidence for it. But you know what, somewhere along the line, somebody might come along and get a better answer than what we have. So science supports things, it doesn't prove things, because we keep learning more and more and more along the way. So that's the black box mystery. This is a group of educators. Here's my kit. A wooden spool, a dowel, two different size strings, and pieces of cardboard to hold the dowel together inside a box. I would like one. You would like one? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Auction. the newest teacher in here? Any first year teachers in here? Well, we, we've got, oh, we've got three. Okay, three first year teachers. Um, how far away did you come from? How long did it take you to get here? It took like two hours. Two hours. Ooh. How long did it take you to get here? Kalamazoo, a little bit less. Holland. Holland. So, so where did you come from? South Holland, Walt Lansing, Illinois. Okay. Hudsonville or Grand Rapids? Oh, you guys are all really close. <laughs> Phenomenal. So don't think that this has to be some phenomenal thing that we're talking about. Actually, if we're talking about a phenomenon, if we looked at what the National Science Teacher says, it says a phenomenon is any object or event that can be experienced and that can be observed and or measured either directly by one's senses or by use of a technological device. 
That's a phenomenon. Yeah. The box is a phenomenon. The candle is a phenomenon. Um, the bird at your bird feeder is a phenomenon. All of those, anything that, any object or event that we can experience and can observe and measure is a phenomenon that we can use. And the, the phenomenon that I use for a lower L student is definitely going to be very different than the phenomenon that you use for a middle school student. We're going to probably increase in complexity along the way with our phenomena. So this is something that's kind of, it's new, but it's not new in science education. How it's being used is being pushed now. Uh, how many of you are using next generation science standard type things? That's wonderful to see. There's a lot of you. I mean, this, this now the Michigan science standards are the next generation science standards. Um, I use it for a lot of my teaching. Actually, I've been teaching the next generation science standards two, about a year and a half before they even were finalized because I knew that's where everything was going. So, but this whole idea of phenomenon is kind of, this within the last year, and finding this past summer, I did a whole bunch of research, is what's out there on this using phenomenon and teaching, and I found out there's not a whole lot out there, but everybody's talking about it. So, there are two different kinds of phenomena that we could use. There are what we call anchoring phenomena. So an anchoring phenomena is a phenomena which is used to anchor a large set of science concepts. So say you're developing a unit, and I'll give you an example here in just a couple minutes. You're developing a new science unit, and you've got all of these ideas that you want to teach. Is there a phenomena that you could use to pull all of those ideas together? So I, an anchoring phenomenon is usually a phenomenon that we're going to build around. On the other side of that are what we call investigative phenomena. So investigative phenomenon is actually a phenomenon that might be used at a lesson level to introduce a smaller set of ideas. Or it might use it for a series of lessons along the way. So anchoring phenomena takes in the whole unit an investigative phenomena I might use for one lesson, I might use it for just a couple lessons to drive an idea forward. Think of phenomena this way. We like to use real world examples in our teaching, right? We like to use real world examples. Well, what's a real world example? A real world example is a, that's phenomenon. So the idea here is what if we flipped this and instead of using the real world example as an example, we instead put that at the head of things and say, here's this example, here's this phenomena that we see in the real world. Let's investigate this to figure out how this works rather than teach all about it and then say, here's an example. So if we give them the phenomenon first, 
and get them to start thinking about how does this work and build our lessons around how can we pull this apart and see how this works and then build those ideas rather than just sticking it at the end and saying, oh yeah, here's an example of how we see this work in the real world. So let's take the real world and start with that and build ideas from that. So, using phenomena turns teaching on its head by giving the real world example first and then building investigations off of that real world phenomena. Has anybody tried this? Kate, a little bit? Some people, a little bit? This is a very different way of thinking about things. This is the way that science, the research in science education is starting to push towards and say, this is the way students actually learn best. Is not by just teaching them concepts and giving them examples, but starting with the example and helping them pull apart that example to figure out how it works, making them the scientists, and then letting them see that, oh yeah, this fits into my real world in everyday life because I see this. So one of the key pieces of phenomena is we want it to be something that the students experience in their everyday life. But again, it does not have to be phenomenal. So let's play with this. What if we were to create a storyline, and this is kind of the language that's being used, what if we created storylines that use phenomena that start with an anchoring phenomena and then build up using investigative phenomena? What, would, what might that be look, looking like? Uh, there are some websites, I'll share some websites right at the end here where there are teachers out there doing this right now. Um, but what you do is you have to start with a group of core ideas that you'd like to cover in you. I generally, for what I do in helping teachers do this, the next generation science standards, in the science standards themselves, they've broken them into topic areas. So there might be a physical science and life science and earth science all together in a topic. So I kind of take those as my starting point. Others have just said, okay, let's take every concept idea out there for fourth grade which ones might go together, and how could we put them together to create a unit? So there's a couple different ways you could do this. So here's an example, third grade. This is one that I've been developing over the last few years. I use it with my pre-service teachers uh, in a content course that I teach for pre-service elementary teachers. How many elementary people are in here? We're about two-thirds and a third here for middle. So, I've got these four performance expectations from the next generation science standards. I've got a physical science one on balanced and unbalanced forces. I've got one on traits influenced by the environment. I've got one on um, living in different habitats, what allows them to survive well, not so well. And one, ooh, if I'm doing next generation, the little star thingy in here means that this one is what? It's what? Yeah, it's an engineering one. So I've got an engineering one thrown in here too to make a claim about the merit of a solution to a problem caused when the environment changes. So 
what could I anchor all of this with? How could I pull this together to create a unit? So here is my idea. So I was looking for a phenomenon that could address all of those core ideas. So here's my example. Here's my anchoring phenomenon that I came up with. What impacts the survival of organisms living in streams? I mean, Grand Rapids, there are streams everywhere. So sometimes, how many do you have a stream within walking distance of your classroom? Or a pond? Or within 10 minutes of a drive, you know? And I look for small streams. These are third graders, right? I don't want a grand river, you know? You know, I want a simple stream that my students can get into. So what impacts the survival of organisms living in streams? So I can take this all sorts of ways. I've got streams. I've got organisms. I've got survival in here. Um, so we've got a whole bunch of different pieces that we can use in here. So I might start it like this. So, you know, I was down at the stream the other day. And as I was looking around in that stream, I saw all these little things down on the bottom in that flowing water moving around on top of the rocks. And I started to wonder, how in the world do those things stick on those rocks when the water's pushing right against them? How do they live there? How do they find food there? What makes it so they can survive here? And so I introduce the phenomenon. This is my anchoring phenomenon. And I start by getting my students to think about ideas about how these organisms might be able to survive in this stream. So if you were in the class, what kind of ideas do you think these third graders might come up with? They hide on the rock. Okay. What else? Ooh, do they have sticky pads? Ooh, do they have suction cups? Okay. Ooh, is it something to do with their shape? So you start recording all of these. This is your intro lesson. You're getting at their preconceptions. And so what we're going to do over this unit then is we're going to look at different pieces of this because we're trying to get at all of those performance expectations within this unit. Now, this unit might, you know, third grade, how, anybody teach third grade? How often do you get to do science? A couple times a week. So this might stretch out over nine weeks. You know, this, this is a whole nine week type of unit. So we go forward, and now I start to say, what are some phenomena that could address parts of this, of these core ideas that I want to get at? So I might start with an investigative phenomenon that
that looks something hopefully like this. You know, I saw these kids out and they were doing this duck race. And the ducks, well, the water seems to be pulling these ducks. How? And I let them watch this and make observations about what they're seeing. Of course, they're going to be focused on who wins, which duck's going to win. The big duck is out of it. <laughs> you know, is it is it the little teeny tiny duck or is it, you know, the bigger duck? Ooh, it's a back and forth race. So I let them watch something like this, and then I ask them, why did the rubber ducks move in the water? Why do the rubber ducks move in the water? So why do they? Why do the rubber ducks move in the water? Okay, do you think a third grader is going to think about flowing downhill? Your second graders do, okay. <laughs> It's flowing down. How do you know it's flowing downhill? Because <laughs> it was moving. Why is it flowing downhill? Gravity. Okay. What does that mean? And we start to get at these ideas. So can can it flow faster? Can it flow slower? So I might go into and create a, a maybe a multi-day investigation into what moves the rubber ducks at different speeds downhill. What concepts am I getting at? This is my first. I'm at forces, balanced and unbalanced forces. Because if the water is moving downhill, I'm dealing with then an unbalanced force. You know, what do we usually use to teach unbalanced forces? Yeah, a ram. You know, do we relate it to their natural world? You know, they, they can get into a duck race. You know, so maybe I take and I have um, piece, 10 foot pieces of plastic gutter and I have them and I've got little ducks and I have them see can I make the duck go slower or faster and work on the whole idea of balanced and unbalanced forces but they're creating an investigation to actually investigate this whole idea of balanced and unbalanced forces so you know what would make it move faster or slower so this is just an investigative phenomena. It's a part of my bigger picture, but I'm building the ideas along the way. Um, so they're going to plan and conduct an investigation to determine why some streams move faster than other streams. Because, you know, you don't go into some, why don't you go into some streams? Pull you over. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going after balanced forces, unbalanced forces, motion, speed, gravity. So I'm getting at all of those concepts for that particular performance expectation. So 
In this unit, I might also do how might the movement of water affect the animals I saw living in the stream. I might take them for a, um, a trip to a stream to collect some bugs or to a pond to collect some bugs to look at body shapes. You know, get them to actually look at the body shapes. Do, are there animals with different body shapes that live in different places? How do changes around the stream, here goes my engineering. How, how do changes around the stream affect the ability of a stream insect to survive? So, for this one, this, this is an idea that I modified out of Project Wet. I take a piece of roll paper and I get enough so I have groups of four in my classroom and I cut up a three foot section and I say, you just inherited this piece of stream. And you've been given this big hunk of money to do whatever you want to, build whatever you want to along this stream. And I let them go at it, build whatever they want along that stream. Now, I don't tell them that all of their pieces are connected to each other. And it's kind of funny, not even my college students figure out when they they're so excited about to get to draw whatever they want on here that nobody ever asked, okay, once, once in eight years has somebody even asked about, can we do these connect somehow? So they just build and build and build and build, and then you put them together and you see, uh, actually I just did this with my class last week. Um, we had a zoo right next to a helicopter pad uh, the, giraffe, the giraffe enclosure was about 15 feet from a helicopter pad <laughs> on the other side, you know, when the properties lined up with each other. And so now they have to think, oh, okay, I guess we can't do that. Oh, you know, we've talked about all these insects. Oh, yeah, what about the insects? Oh, we didn't think about the things that lived in the stream. Well, we've just spent all this time talking about things that live in the stream, but they got so excited about building things that they forgot about the things that live in the stream. Oh, how is what you built going to affect the things that live in the stream? So we're getting at that last performance expectation about how changes affect animals, organisms that live in environments. And so then what we do is we go into engineering mode. And we say, okay, what could we do to make what we built impact things even less? What happens if your stream floods? What happens because of the unbalanced forces? So they start to engineer ideas. I give them construction paper and Chanel sticks and whatever else I've got laying around. And it becomes this whole three-dimensional piece that then takes on all of these engineering aspects to think about how can I change this to make the stream habitat actually stay healthy. So, Anchoring phenomena about organisms living in the stream and then building with investigative phenomena that get at all of my performance expectations a lot. <laughs> so with that in mind, let's see if I stay. It's your turn. Okay, Kate, here's where I'm going to use you. Yep. 
So, Whatever you would like with these. I, I hold on to things very loosely. I make things and I say, I could care less if somebody copies what I do. Go use it. Isn't that what it's about? So, it's your turn. Here, here's uh, fifth grade. Any fifth grade teachers in here? Oh, we've got a few fifth graders. Okay, so here's three fifth grade performance expectations. Here's the core ideas that go with them. If you notice, they tend to be, I, I tell, okay, confession time. I'm an ecologist too. So my PhD is in science ed, and I've been teaching in preschool to senior citizens for 34 years. My college piece is just a small piece of that. Um, but I've done the environmental ed piece for years and years. So I tend to lean when I do my things. They tend to be more environmentally oriented types of things. So, okay, I had to take some energy flow things. So could you come up with, and I want you at your table, so I'm going to give you about six minutes here. Seven minutes, and so I'm going to really push it to you. Can you come up with an anchoring phenomenon that might go with these three performance expectations? Or if you can't come up with an anchoring, can you come up maybe with some investigative phenomena that you could use in here? So talk at your tables. This is where you collaborate, work with each other. What could you come up with that might anchor these three together or might be investigative phenomena that, you, that cover a piece of it? So that first sheet on the packet I gave you is kind of a guideline for choosing phenomena. So what can you find? Okay, what can you come up with? Okay, six minutes, go. Oh, right. 
the big phenomenon, what's a phenomenon with the real world event or objects? We saw it you know, like a life cycle and it worked right away and it says it right in here. Yeah. So. Okay, this is maybe kind of far out, but what I think is like Yeah. Like, I don't know, I see first grade, so like, kind of pulling something like that as an example. But the last scene when the rain comes and all the plants come back and then every animal. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, interdependent relationships. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, do we have to come up with a question that drives, is that the phenomena? Is the question that drives the whole unit?
lived on a space station. Like, how are you going to grow food without, like, having sun and rain and all of that? Like, how is that affected? That could be kind of your pretend we're in space. How are we going to live? I like that. <laughs> no one's going to come up with that. <laughs> Question. How would you? So then you could have or different experiments all, that would like. Oh, well, right. Because can they grow anything? Yeah. that take up all their food. Yeah. Like eventually it's going to run out. Right. So then how do you maintain? So you could have you could have different experiments that go along with that. So maybe different lights. Earth is running out of oxygen. We're thinking about going up in the space. But how would we live up there? Could you survive? Yeah. Because mm. the oxygen. You don't have dirt up there. You don't have worms. And it's not like you're going to like the field. It's kind of like the Martian. If you're the Martian, what would you need? <laughs> Create a packing system for yourself to survive. Yeah, there you go. What would be some key things to bring? How can you create a sustainable environment on a different planet? You can even make up a planet. Make up some name and say, all right, we're all moving to this planet. And it doesn't have this, this, or this, so how are you going to prepare? That's what that's about. Like they're running out, like the earth is, has dust storms all over the place. They have to leave. Okay. With just a, a few minutes we have left here. So what were some, somebody have a good anchoring phenomenon? Good anchoring tonight. I don't know. <laughs> I heard some good ones when I was going to tables here. <laughs> Go for it. So we discussed um, maybe having a cookout and the kids making their own cheeseburger and talking about where the different parts of the cheeseburger come from. Yeah. It's real world. <laughs> so, you know, it might be a picnic. Yeah. I can't spell. It might be, might Michelle, be you, you said, yes. well, what did we have for breakfast this morning? Yeah. You know? So these are your phenomena. And this is what we're. This is the question that we then ask about those phenomenon, and that we start to build our investigations on. Okay. Um, so I do middle school. I wasn't sure if this would like be appropriate or not. Um, if the phenomenon has to be real, to taking something like a, a sci-fi movie where the sun is blocked out, you know, and showing a clip of it or something, and like, what would happen or what happens in the movie or you know something like that. Ooh, sci-fi clip. I don't know if the phenomenon has to be real phenomenon, you know, but... If you, if you, if you could find something that's in a popular movie that all of them have probably seen, you're going to grab their attention really quickly with that. And I don't know how many of you get the um, NSTA stuff, but their newsletter that comes out monthly from NSTA 
in that newsletter, there is uh, a column called Fixed Licks, where he actually analyzes movies um, that are current for the science that is in them, and how is the science relevant or not relevant. You know, like King Kong, or Skull, what was it, Skull Island? You know, could King Kong be that big? And, you know, he built the whole physics piece. It's like, no, just because of the way physics works on our planet, you couldn't have something as big as that. Because, you know, because of the way gravity works. But he goes into popular movies and looks at the science in them. So, yeah, you could use something like that as a phenomenon. Okay, another one? What was yours back here? Um, there's a, it's a, a clip on YouTube, but it's called How Wolves Change Rivers, and it talks about when wolves were reintroduced into Yellowstone and the way that it changed the flow of some of the rivers because of um, prey that, like, animals that became prey to the wolves in different places where they, it was like a three-minute clip. So you, you could show that clip. Maybe I wouldn't show all of it, because maybe I don't want them to see what the wolves actually did. But I show some of the interactions, or maybe I just show it and I don't turn on the sound that tells all the answers. And then I build my investigations to say, okay, so could we figure out how wolves might have changed the rivers? And then you're starting to look at food chains, you're looking at um, materials that are needed, Plants, plants getting eaten, that's part of what's going to change. So this, yeah, so that could work as an anchoring phenomenon. What about investigative phenomena? Did anybody have some ideas for when you looked at one of these, you had an investigative phenomenon? We're talking about maybe like migratory birds or monarchs. Okay. Moving uh, Michigan because food is not going to be. Okay, so monarchs or... You know, birds migration, it might be why do birds fly south? So why do birds fly south? This is a mostly elementary tree. Yes, thank you. The birds fly south because it's too far to walk. That is third grade humor. I think I got that one in third grade. Okay, so. Yeah, these, these could be investigative phenomena. Any any other investigative phenomena? You could use a bunch of different seed growth rates, so kind of investigating that middle part about what do they need to grow, what, do you think, what can you do to get a seed to start growing, why do they grow at different rates, how do you affect the rate? Okay, and you had a really, right here, you had a really interesting one that almost could be an anchoring phenomenon that's an extension of that. By the phenomenon was? Um, just covering some seeds up so they have sunlight, have some that do, um, actually maybe way better the um, that you Okay, so there's the investigations, but the phenomenon was? I, I bring in two plants and I say, well, you know what, I'm growing these plants at home, and this would probably be me for plants at my office. 
You know, I, I am a biologist, but I kill plants really well. Uh, you know, I've got this plant that's doing really well, and this plant, it's the same plant, but man, it's really struggling. What's going on with my plants? And then, you know, that has to do with energy, it has to do with plant materials, it has to do with movement of and flow of energy. So my students like to do <laughs> investigations to see what can, can we make, can we make your name? Can we make Mr. Greg's plant? You know, can we make one like Mr. Greg's plant that's healthy, but can we also replicate Mr. Greg's plant that doesn't look so good? Why, what might have made his plant? Can we figure it out? Because figuring out what makes it look not so good gets at some of these pieces of what's missing. So these are phenomenon that we can use. These are, these are three sites that I have found that some of them, they kind of, okay, fast, okay, confusing. <laughs> uh, but Next Generation Storylines is this big collaboration of teachers that are putting together storylines K through 12 um, with, they're actually developing all the lessons and everything that go with these. Uh, the ones that are complete is like, wow, I could take that and put that right, walk into my classroom and teach this once I have all the materials to do it. But, and it comes out of student, a lot of it comes out of questions that students have asked. And so they've built all these, phenom these phenomena storylines that have anchoring phenomena. It has the whole progression of how it goes from lesson to lesson to lesson to lesson. Um, actually, all of the lesson plans when they're complete. So this one's really good. And then it actually has some really good tools for developing storylines. So that's why I like this one too, is it doesn't just say here are some storylines, it has all of the tools that they're using to develop their storylines. Um, Project Phenomena and Phenomena for NGSS. Project Phenomena gives you a little bit more detail, but they give you some phenomena and where they're using them and how they link to different next generation science standards. Uh, the Phenomena for NGSS, I haven't figured this site out really yet. Uh, I'll show you just to. Pretty much what this one is is teachers have put in different phenomena that they have used. The problem is they don't tell anything about how they use the phenomena. They're like, here's a phenomena. Great. Okay, so here's a phenomena. How do I use, you know, spinner directions? And that's all it tells me. It might link to a YouTube video. It's like, okay, so what am I going to do with this? I have no idea. So it gives, if, if you're clever and can figure out the ideas that it goes to, there's a lot of ideas here but it doesn't really clarify how to use those ideas. So, I've pretty much reached my time, but it, does anybody have any questions?
I didn't think I'd look that good. <laughs> but hopefully this gives you some tools that you can take back to your classroom and use. I think about how you can use phenomena to actually teach things. Um, but thank you all for coming today. Amanda, thank you for coming.